Well, good morning and welcome to Yontville Community Church Online. Uh, this morning, my name is Dan Bidwell, a senior pastor here. Uh, as always, it's so great to have you with us. Um, we're so thankful that you've put aside time to uh, stop, uh, to uh, rest from your work, uh, and to come and sit in the presence of God, uh, to come and hear from Him in His Word, uh, to pray to Him, uh, to pray with the rest of the church together. Uh, I'm looking out my window right now, um, and uh, Yonville's just been issued with a, a red flag warning, and some uh, smoke is filling the air. Uh, there are many fires around us, and some members of our church have been evacuated, uh, and many others are anxious. And so in, uh, in a, a little while after the sermon, we will pray uh, for the situation here in Napa and uh, the valley uh, with these wildfires. We'll pray for the rest of the state and other places too. Um, but today what we're going to do is we're going to sit down and trust God uh, as we hear his word uh, from Genesis uh, 2. We're in the middle of our little series about the foundational truths of uh, who we are and who God is from those early chapters of Genesis. So uh, I'm going to open the word in just a minute. Um, as always, uh, if you've got kids or little people in your life, I uh, would love to point you towards our kids page on the website. Um, it's there that you'll be able to find resources uh, for kids. We've got videos um, uh, that actually are going through Genesis as well. Uh, this week we've sent out um, activity packs to all the kids in church. Uh, if you'd like one of them, uh, make sure you just let us know by the Connect card button there on the screen. In fact, why don't you f go ahead um, and fill out a Connect card now. Uh, whoever you are, we'd love to know uh, that you've been watching. We'd love to know what God's doing in your life. And we'd love to know how we can pray with you um, at wherever uh, whatever stage of life you are in. Uh, thank you again for those who are financial partners with us. Uh, we sent out a financial update uh, a week ago uh, via our e-news. If you'd like to receive that update, again, you can get in contact with us and we'll uh, make that available to you. Uh, the Connect Card button is the best way to do that. Uh, this week, uh, instead of Bible study, uh, we will be pausing Bible study to join for a prayer meeting as a whole church. Um, we shouldn't just wait until we have uh, fires raging around us to pray. Uh, it's just something we do every month on the first uh, Tuesday of the month, and that's this Tuesday coming up. Uh, we'll join together to pray uh, for the Napa Valley and for beyond, for our church, for our construction project, and uh, more than that as well, to pray for one another. So we hope to see you there. I'll look out. Uh, on your e-news um, or get in contact with us if you'd like to be part of that. Uh, we'll have some people meeting in person and some people joining via Zoom, uh, presuming that everything is safe to do so here in Yonville. Well, why don't you sit back now, uh, take a moment, take a deep breath, and why don't we say even a short prayer together as we come to hear God's word. Uh, let's pray that God would prepare our hearts. Father, as we come now to hear your word, uh, as so many uh, storms are raging around us, literally fires, we pray that you'd calm our hearts, help us to hear you speak. We pray that you'd speak powerfully through your scriptures this morning as we hear them read and explained. To the glory of Jesus. Amen. My name's Joanna. 
please join with me as I read Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 25. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up that place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and Eve were both naked, and they felt no shame. I was eight years old the first time I walked through a minefield. Uh, it was on Cub Scout camp. Uh, we were during, it was in the middle of a wide game that had seen us navigate uh, with a map through thick bush. Uh, we'd build a raft to cross an estuary. Uh, we had to build a stretcher to carry a wounded team member. And the minefield was the last obstacle before we reached the goal of the game, which was an ammunition box buried deep in the sand and filled with enemy secrets. Looking back, it sounds like my father modelled the game after his own military training, but as an eight-year-old, it was clearly exhilarating and a thoroughly memorable experience. Anyway, in between us and the treasure was this minefield. The sandy beach was marked with small piles of sand where the mines, balloons, were buried, or so we thought. We didn't all make it to the other side. A number of my teammates exploded well-concealed balloons. It wasn't just where the bumps were. As we approach the topic of men and women this morning, I'm aware that I'm navigating a minefield. You know, as a society, we've uh, had a public discussion for the last 50 years at least about issues of male and female equality, the roles of men and women in society, issues of gendered abuse and oppression, uh, sexual predation by men against women and more recently gender identity and conf uh, confusion. Issues where we've made grave mistakes as a society and sadly we've made those mistakes in the church as well. Uh, those are some of the issues that surround the Bible text we're looking at this morning. Uh, not landmines exactly, but issues that will trigger some of us uh, and issues that I want to tread gently around as we seek to get to the treasure uh, that's there to be found in Genesis 1 and 2. Because God says that together, men and women are very good. A creatures made in his very own image are created as the perfect complement for one another. 
And so it's that picture that we want to explore and understand and aspire to as we seek to be transformed by God's word and recreated by his Holy Spirit. So will you pray now that God will give us true spiritual insight uh, into the subject matter before us as we open his word. Heavenly Father, we are aware as we approach this topic that it is an issue of particular sensitivity. Uh, we pray, Father, that you would show us what is good about men and women, uh, that you would show us your creation ideals. Father, give me wise words as I preach now, and as a church, teach us wise and helpful ways to relate and to speak on this topic. Uh, guard us from division and bring us to unity through the reconciling work of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Uh, before we launch into our material for today, I just want to let you know that we haven't skipped the early verses of chapter 2. Uh, we'll be coming back to them next week uh, when we think about the idea of Sabbath. Uh, from there, we'll go on to chapter 3 and the fall and so forth. But we're talking about men and women because it's an extension of the idea of being made in the image of God. Uh, this is essentially image of God talk too. As I've said for the last couple of weeks, these early chapters of the Bible, they lay out the foundations of how we're to understand God and creation and the place of humans within creation, especially these chapters before the fall. And so today's passage is a key text for understanding the relationship between men and women as God designed it to be uh, in the ideal. And to lead us into that concept, uh, Genesis 2 looks at creation from a different perspective than chapter 1. Uh, where chapter 1 was cosmic and structural, God was putting everything in its place. He was forming and filling. Now in chapter 2, we're drawn into a close-up experience of creation as if it were unfolding around us in real time. A chapter 2 is intimate and sensory. We can almost smell the dust in verse 5 of a world that had not yet seen rain. Uh, then verse 6, streams come up and they water the ground. And we witness God in verse 7 forming a man from the dust of the ground and breathing life into him, the breath of life. And before our very eyes, the dustiness of creation becomes a garden that God has planted, verse 8, with fruit-bearing trees and abundant water. And that water, verse 10, it becomes rivers uh, that flow out into neighboring lands, uh, lands filled with the promise of gold and other riches. Uh, Eden, this garden, it's enticing and promising and full of potential. It's begging us to explore its riches. Reading Genesis 2, it's like we're brought into the garden to experience its goodness for ourselves. It is good, was the refrain of chapter 1. And that's why 2 verse 18 comes as such a surprise. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a, a helper suitable for him. For me, this was the verse that jumped out first. Something in creation wasn't good. What does that mean? I thought it was all good. How do we interpret verse 18? And that leads to my first big idea. Aloneness is not good. As we're drawn close into the drama of creation, God has been the one directing the action. It's God who speaks. It's God who puts man in the garden. And it's God who makes the statement that it is not good for man to be alone. 
Again, why is that? After all, God seems to be there with the man, at least in some way. The man has God. Shouldn't that be enough to prevent his aloneness? And then there are the animals. In verse 19, God brings all the wild animals and all the birds and all the livestock to the man for him to name. The man is surrounded by other creatures. Shouldn't the animals be enough to prevent his aloneness? Maybe he needed a dog or if you're a cat person, maybe a cat would have sufficed. But verse 20 ends with the commentary that even with all of the animals on earth, there is no suitable helper found for Adam. By the way, did you notice in verse 20 uh, that that's the first time Adam is called Adam? Uh, He now has a name just like all of the other creatures are known by the name that Adam gave to them. Well, Adam's name is given to him by God. And it comes from the Hebrew word for earth or ground, uh, Adamah. Uh, because Adam was made from the earth. But come back to the problem of verse 18. God says it is not good for man to be alone, and nothing else on earth is a suitable helper for Adam. Uh, Even the intimacy of his relationship with God is not enough to ease Adam's aloneness. And so that's where we come back to the idea of being made in the image of God. We said a few weeks ago that even from Genesis 1, we see the faintest glimmers of the Trinitarian God, the God who is not alone. Of course, as we read further into the Bible, God reveals clearly that he is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our God is a God who exists in community, in relationship. And so when God makes mankind in his image, We shouldn't be surprised that part of that image is that humans are also created for community and relationship. The English poet John Donne famously said, No man is an island. We're not made for solitude. And that's why solitary confinement is arguably the most dehumanizing form of torture. It sends people crazy because we're made for community and for life in community. Even at a biological level, we wouldn't exist without community. We we require the DNA of two other humans just to be born. Genesis 2 makes a powerful statement about the human need for relationship. We are created as relational beings in the image of our relational God. What should those relationships look like then? And that brings us to our big idea number two, a suitable helper. Verse 18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. A little look at the words in the original language helps us to understand what God means by a suitable helper. The word for suitable um, could also be translated something like um, corresponding to or the opposite of him. God wants to create someone for Adam who will be a a helper in the work of ruling over creation. And it will be somebody who is like him, somebody that corresponds to him. That is not an animal, but not the same either. Someone who is his opposite, someone who is Adam's other half. And so again, we're drawn intimately into God's creative process. We watch as God causes the man to fall into a deep sleep. Verse 21, he takes one of the man's ribs and he closes up the place with flesh. And then God makes a woman out of the rib. 
that he'd taken out of the man, verse 22. And God brings her to the man. Much has, said, uh, been, uh, much has been written about the symbolism behind the way in which God created the woman. Uh, the word for rib can also be translated as side. And so Henri Blochet says that uh, Eve coming from Adam's side makes her his alter ego. Augustine took the idea of bone and flesh as symbols for the strength and softness in the male and female characters, uh, even in the sharedness of those characteristics. Uh, Karl Barth saw this story as an allegory for Christ, whose wounded side generates his bride, the church. There are so many interpretations. You've probably heard these and others. Uh, what are we to make of them? Well, perhaps our best commentary comes from Adam himself in verse 23. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. As she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Did you notice these are the first words spoken by a human in the Bible? Uh, not just words, but poetry. Uh, Adam spontaneously burst out in poetry as he beholds the wonderful creature uh, that God has brought out of him and brought to him. She's bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. That is, she is his family. Uh, she is his blood relative. Adam names her as woman, uh, for she was taken out of man. Just like Adam's name echoes the word for earth because he was taken out of the earth. Uh, the woman's name, Isha, uh, echoes the word for a man, Ish. Uh, and that's where we get the name Aisha from. That's uh, a transliteration from Hebrew. There's a beautiful picture of complementarity painted here. Uh, the man and the woman are alike, and yet they're also different from one another. Uh, Genesis 1.27 reminds us that they are both created equally in the image of God, and together their codependence, uh, their mutuality, their oppositeness, and their sameness, uh, they solve the problem of man's aloneness. Uh, they are made for one another, for unity in diversity. Uh, they are humanity. Uh, they're the first community of humans. Um, and Adam is delighted with the woman and she with him. In verse 25, they enjoy a relationship in which they become one flesh. Uh, that is, they become a new family with one, with one another in marriage. Uh, back in verse 22, God brings the woman to the man, just like the father of the bride brings his daughter to be married and gives her away. And the man and the woman, they're naked and they feel no shame. This is what God wants us to understand about the creation of man and woman in his image, uh, the very goodness of male and female together. Uh, this beautiful picture is the ideal. It's the, the standard par excellence for humanity uh, and for human relationships in the good order of creation. And so we come to our third idea of recreating relationships in the image of Genesis 2. Sadly, we know that the picture in Genesis 2 is far from the reality that we see around us. And this is where I want to hold up the goodness of maleness and femaleness in a world that's gotten this, so many, uh, gotten this wrong in so many ways, uh, including Christians who've used these passages as an excuse for subjugating women. By the time we get to the New Testament, the, Paul ref uh, the Apostle Paul references these verses to talk about uh, order in creation, particularly a man being created before woman, and he implies some authority of men over women uh, through that. 
whatever you think about that, and, and you know, the meaning of 1 Timothy 2 is hotly debated, but whatever you think about that, the, the reality is that historically men have used the idea of order uh, in creation as a reason for diminishing the dignity of women and worse. But that diminishing, that, that demeaning attitude, that subjugation, it's just not on show in Genesis 2. There's nothing demeaning in the woman being created as Adam's helper. In fact, in the rest of the Old Testament, uh, there are 21 uses of the word helper and 15 of those refer to God uh, being the helper of humans. Does that demean God? No, not at all. A helper is a wonderful gift, a blessing, someone to be thankful for and someone to esteem. So we're not to think of the woman as some kind of subjugated house help. Nor is there any disdain intended in, in the created order. After all, Jesus himself, though in very nature God, we, we read this in Philippians 2, he was pleased to take on the nature of a servant according to his father's will, becoming human and even subjecting himself to death on a cross. Was Jesus demeaned by that act of humility? Well, no, rather God exalted him to the highest place because of it. In the human economy of relationships, we've made authority and submission a power imbalance, a nuclear arms race. In God's economy, it is no such thing. And the Trinity itself is our example. The Father, Son and Spirit, they're equally God in nature, but they perform different functions in an ordered relationship, and yet without any loss of dignity to any one of them. And so it ought to be for God's people being created in the image of God and being recreated in the image of Christ. All the parts of the body work together for the functioning of the body and, and no part has less dignity than another, says Paul in 1 Corinthians 12. In fact, he says we ought to treat the less honourable with special honour, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 23. All of this is to say that in Genesis 2, we're presented with a model relationship between man and woman, a relationship that is very good, a relationship that gives honour and dignity to each participant, a relationship that in some way mirrors the relationship between the persons of the Trinity. Matthew Henry sums it up like this. The woman was made out of a rib, uh, out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. This week we had a special birthday at church. Happy birthday, Ellen. Uh, Ellen has the honour of being one of our oldest members at Yonville Community Church, and we had a little drive-past birthday party for her last Sunday. While we were there, somebody asked me, what is my favourite flavour of frosting on a birthday cake? And of course, the answer is chocolate frosting on a chocolate cake. As we close our time today, I just want to add a little frosting onto what we've been thinking about this morning, which is the idea that we are made for relationships um, and particularly marriage. The reality is that many of us will marry, uh, but some won't. And many of our marriages will end in divorce and the rest of them in widowhood, generally for one party or the other. And so many of us who are married today will be single again at some stage. It's a sobering idea, I know. 
and it might make us feel like we will end up alone. But the wonderful story of the Bible is that we will not end up alone. Whether we marry or not, the God who exists in community has a plan to bring each of us who trust in in his son Jesus into a community that will last forever. So our aloneness on earth, and even married people feel alone at times, our aloneness will be swept up in this new relationship so that in the new heavens and the new earth, we'll live in perfect relationship, a perfect communion, perfect harmony as the people of God around the throne of the Lamb. Because one of the beautiful pictures of the new creation is a wedding feast where Christ is the bridegroom and the church is his bride. That's Revelation 19, uh, verse 7 and 8, Ephesians 5. The marriage of Adam and Eve and and every human marriage, they are good and God-ordained and wonderful. But in comparison to the eternal relationship of Christ and his people, they will pale by comparison. Uh, Our human marriages are a shadow of what is to come. And that means for any of us who feel alone in this world, um, you are not alone. We have a God who's already drawn us into relationship with him through Christ. And more than that, who's placed us in a spiritual community, the church. Uh, The church is a new family that strives to live out the ideals of Genesis 2, not joined by bone and flesh, but united in the body of Christ. A community who cares for the widow and the orphan so that no one is left alone. As individuals being recreated in the image of Christ and as a church, we are in the business of recreating the goodness of relationships that we see in Genesis 2. That's the ideal. Uh, Now, I know we're not perfect, but together we can make that a reality more and more as time goes on. Isn't that the sort of church you want to be part of? It's going to take all of us to pull it off and and I need your help just like Adam needed a, a helper and we can help each other in this because God has made us for one another. He's made us family and, and God uses these transformed communities, churches, to bring transformation to all of the communities of the world. Our vision at Yonville Community Church is to reach into the Napa Valley and beyond with this transformative message and this transformative community that God is building among us. Would you pray that God would do that amongst us more and more? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word about the goodness of relationships, the goodness of maleness and femaleness, the goodness of being made in your image and the goodness of being together. We thank you, Father, that you do not leave us alone, but you have made us for one another. We pray for churches, we pray for marriages, We pray for those who feel alone at the moment, that they would be included in a community and to remember your great promise of community, a communion with you and with all of us who are in Christ around the throne on the last day. Father, help us to be a church that models Genesis 2, a church that honours Genesis 2 and a church that seeks to recreate ourselves and our relationships in your image. We pray this. In the, in the name of Jesus and through the power of your Holy Spirit who is at work in us. We pray all of this uh, to your glory. Amen.
please join with me in prayer. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Father, thank you that we are made to be in relationship with you and with each other. Thank you that we can call you Father, all because of what Jesus achieved on the cross in his death and resurrection. Thank you for making us and giving us the roles that you have given us so that we may each bring you glory. Father, we come before you in prayer about the local wildfires. Please ease the weather conditions and enable the firefighters, first responders and volunteers to contain the fire line. Give people wisdom in making decisions, a sense of peace and calm and safety for all. May your people, Lord, be a positive and good witness of you. Help us, Lord, as a church to love you and seek your glory first and foremost. Move your people to pray for each other, to pray for our leaders, to encourage each other in our faith and to be humble. Use us, Lord, to serve others sacrificially and to reach out to the lost with the good news of the gospel of Jesus. We pray all of these things in the saving name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Uh, well, hasn't it been a good morning at Yonville Community Church? Challenging, I know. Um, some topics that... Um, perhaps have raised issues for you. I'd love you to know that I am here and uh, Joe, my wife, is here too. Uh, we would love to spend time with you. You need to process anything that we've spoken about today or if you'd like to discuss it further. Uh, please get in contact with me via the Connect card. Uh, but for now, why don't we go into this week uh, remembering that wonderful ideal of relationships, not just marriage relationships, but all human relationships flourishing as we hold one another in dignity and equality. Uh, that's all we have time for now. Uh, we hope to see some of you uh, at the prayer meeting on Tuesday. Um, uh, but for now, uh, goodbye and God bless. Mm -hmm.